Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, welcome back to the Gospel for Life. We have been looking at this great and wonderful doctrine of our union with Jesus Christ. Perhaps one of the best places to find this is in Ephesians chapter 1. In fact, uh, let me just ask you, believer, how do you describe what a Christian is? Would you call him a believer, a disciple, a Christian? Uh, the most used term in the New Testament for describing what a Christian is is a person who is in Christ. Yeah, in fact, uh, the very word Christian was used, uh, you know, with a you know a, a disdain. They were first called Christians. You know, that was a, a Christ ones was a disdained use. And when Paul refers to himself, he always refers to himself as in Christ. This is the words that we <laughs> use that define a Christian. They're in Christ. Yep. And imagine, if, imagine how much that would change our psyche if we just started describing ourselves like that all the time. Yeah, and that would I'm be in powerful. Christ. Right. That would be powerful. Well, so there's different dimensions or aspects of this uh, union that we have with Christ. We've been looking at these in the past broadcasts. We've described it as a spiritual union, as a mystical union, as a vital union. On yesterday's broadcast, we looked at um, that it is an organic union and then a personal union. And so today we want to look at that last dimension of our union with Christ, and it is an indissoluble union. So brothers, what do we mean by that? I think we're really actually looking, you know, um, union deals with our past, our present, and our future. And this indissoluble union is really uh, related to our, our future. When we die, we die in the Lord. We, uh, we're we're going to be in Christ. We're going to be resurrected. Um, we're going to obtain an inheritance in Christ. We're heirs with Christ and children's of, uh, children of God. These are all future things that we can speak of in the present. When Christ returns... We will be revealed with him in glory. The, you know, this indissoluble union is really taking in um, the, the, the future. It's, you know, he that began a good work in us is going to complete it. And, we, you know, we're going to be brought. There's the perseverance of the saints all the way uh, to e- eternal glory. And so in, in Christ, in this union, we have that hope of glory. And so even in the present life while we suffer, we, we, we do so in Christ as, as those not without that, that hope. And so we have this, this hope, this, uh, this um, future indissoluble union that we're going to be glorified with Christ in the end, in the ages to come. Yeah, yeah um, let me take us to Romans chapter 6 where Paul talks in, in, in very explicit language. And we talked about this in one of the previous shows, but... Paul talks in very explicit language about the believer's union with Christ. And I'm in Romans chapter 6 and verse 5. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Note that word certainly. Mm -hmm. We know, going on to verse 6, 
that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin, and we have died in Christ. We've been crucified with Christ, as Paul says in Galatians. Um, And I just want to underline uh, that word uh, certainly, and I'm I'm going to skip to verse 9. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God. You must. That's an imperative. It can't be taken away from you. Um, You've been crucified with Christ. You've been raised with Christ. Uh, You're going to be resurrected in Christ someday. Um, That cannot be taken away from you. It it is an accomplishment of Christ, uh, not not your accomplishment, believer. I'm going to just take a slightly different um, approach. I... I'm going to confess that I actually prefer um, eternal union as opposed to indissolvable union in just the fact of this. And I know it's, it might be a, a splitting of hairs. Indissolvable is exactly what Jonathan was talking about, that it's it's really it has a future aspect to it. Um, I like e- eternal in the fact that um, it, it doesn't just not have an end. It also means it doesn't have a beginning. And so that's a good point because, um, as we know, the our union with Christ and somehow begins before the foundation of the earth, and before He even created us, He He had that union with us. So I'm not disagreeing with anything that's said. I just prefer the fact. I I find greater security knowing that it's not just. It's there's no end to it. (laughs) Yeah, it didn't start someplace in time. It actually. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, another way maybe to say that is that as long as God has been God, mm-hmm. we've been united to Christ. And mm-hmm. we've been secure in that union with Christ. Mm-hmm. That, that that union could not be any more sure or any less sure yeah. ever. Yeah. 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 Um, even before I came to be, I was in Christ. Yeah. Right. And that that there's a great comfort there yeah. for me. Yeah. Absolutely. No, I mean, I think... If, if, if assurance is one of the aims of the New Testament, then understanding our eternal union with Christ is, uh, is vital to, the, to gaining that assurance. Okay, so and I just want to make sure everybody understands, eternal union with Christ involves an indissolvable union. So yeah. I'm, it's not saying something right. different. It's right. just saying it differently. Yep, mm-hmm. yep. Uh. absolutely. Okay, so now... My object in these questions, brothers, is that we keep on getting it from different angles so that our listeners really understand what we're talking about. So I want to delve into two more aspects of understanding our union, um, an objective aspect and then the subjective aspect. So let's go specifically first to this objective aspect, and, and Paul fleshes this out in Romans 5 and 6. And uh, this is you know, one of the doctrines I think that's also underemphasized today, this idea of having a federal head. And that's where Paul goes in Romans 5. So Paul begins by showing how fallen humanity is united or joined federally to Adam. So you guys are familiar with the argument of Romans 5. Can you explain what Paul meant by saying that what is true of Adam is true of us? Can you flesh that out a little bit for us? 
I, I just want to say that that this understanding of you, really you you have Adam as a public person in the fact that he was a federal head, a representative head, the idea of a covenant. However, you want to refer to that, you can basically use federal representative and covenant interchangeably. Um, and if we understand that Adam didn't act on his own for only himself, you have to understand that concept because through Adam, all have sinned. And this is where um, Paul is very much setting this argument forward in Romans 5 and 6, that we all sinned in Adam. Yes, Adam sinned, but so did I. Right. Um, because he wasn't acting simply for himself. Yep. So, I mean, if you think about it, we, we do have this type of mindset. So if President Trump would declare war on um, you know, China, we as U.S. citizens at the same time have declared war on China, that he didn't act on his own. He acted as the representative head of all U.S. citizens as the person who is the commander-in-chief of our military. So an individual action by our president become or has a corporate sense to it. Mm -hmm. And that's all we're saying when we talk about Adam is our federal head, that when he sinned, in essence, we all sinned in him. Right. Yep, absolutely. That, that's what it says in, in Romans 5, 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men. We are, we, we are inheritors of Adam's nature, and so we are guilty. We are either, and this is what Union is pointing to, we are the, either in Adam or in Christ. Yep. And, uh, and that's, that's the state of all men. There's, it's only, there's only two. You're either in Adam, in those sins, or you're in Christ as your deliverer. Yeah, and I think we need to say here that uh, this, yeah, this comes as shocking news to a lot of people because we've all deeply imbibed the individualism of the modern world. Uh, which tells us that every one of us is a distinct individual and absolutely independent from somehow independent from well you know that, that's not that's nonsense on the, on the on even the most secular level uh, but the Bible shows us an even deeper level and more profoundly true level we are all connected and uh, as Jonathan is saying we're either connected and, and every one of us, because we're sinful in Adam, uh, but those whom God calls uh, are now in Christ. One way or the other, we're all connected together. First Corinthians 15 talks about this as well. Um, For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so Paul doesn't just work this idea in, in Romans, which he does quite extensively, um, it comes out in other parts of the New Testament teaching that Adam is our representative head. Yeah. Um, and for the child of God, what Paul goes on to develop, are we going on to the, talk about this? Yeah, yep. Um, that in Christ, those that are children of God are in Christ just as we were in Adam. And so mm-hmm. what Jonathan was saying just a moment ago that – all are in Adam. We have no no choice of that right. matter. I mean, right. we, that's we, how we were born. Yes. I mean, we can... but some will be in Christ. Not all are in Christ. Right. So mm-hmm. all are in Adam. Not all will be in Christ. But you're going to end up in one of those two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You. All, we all start in Adam, 
if you will. And, and we can see this not just theoretically, we can see it experientially. Like, just, just reflect for a moment on what the state of the world is today. Why do babies die? I mean, it's tragic and it's sad and it's horrible, but why do they die? I mean, and if someone says, well, that's just the natural course of life. Actually, no, it's not. That's, that's the, fallen, <laughs> uh, the fallenness that has come into the world. Babies die because they have inherited Adam's nature. And, and what is true about Adam being under the bondage of sin is also true about every human being that comes into the world. If Adam wouldn't have sinned, there would be no death. So... Um, Go ahead, Russ. Nope, you're good. Okay, so yeah, let's go then. So if that's what it means, are you guys happy with fleshing that out already in Romans 5, or you guys want to go to Romans 6 now? Basically what it boils down to is this, that Scripture says that we've all fallen in Adam. Romans 5, 1 Corinthians 15 says we need a different representative head if we, have, right. if we want to have any hope because we can't do what was required. So when God created the world, he entered into a covenant with man and, and in essence said, as your creator, I am demanding full obedience from you in all aspects of life. And we couldn't do it. In Adam, we all couldn't do it. And But that demand still stands. That That didn't lessen. God can't change his demands. He can't change his character. He can't change that he's righteous. And so what happens is if we have any hope of, of having life, which was the promise given, then we need somebody to come and fulfill all righteousness, to be completely obedient to what God has demanded. And that's what we have in Christ, a second representative that came and did what Adam failed to do and what we can't do. Jesus came to do. Now, we're going to have to stop there because we're running out of time, but we will start here tomorrow and develop it more fully. Thank you for listening to the Gospel for Life, and we'll see you tomorrow. 